folks, our first on-demand workshop, How to Become a Coffee Consultant, is now available for you to learn at your own pace for just 50 euros, and it comes with a certificate upon completion. Go to mapperforward.coffee forward slash workshops or click the link in the show notes for more details. Support this podcast by supporting our sponsors. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward, friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is episode two of our five-part series with Martin Mayorga from Mayorga Coffee. Martin, we are talking about specialty coffee and whether it's profitable or not. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the, the scalability of specialty coffee. As we get started, the one thing that I want to understand is how do we define specialty coffee? Because it eludes me what specialty coffee is anymore. I think it loses everybody. I yeah. lose me. Last night, I mean, as, as an old school coffee person, SCA defined it as 80 points and above, right? right. That was specialty. Um, I see all kinds of fun, interesting definitions to it. To yeah. me, it's coffee that has distinguishable characteristics. It's coffee that, you know, is grown at a, with a certain, but it's tough to define, right? Mm-hmm. From, you know, as a company, Mayorga will never buy under an 82 point. And we're typically in the 83 point range. And the reason we go down to 82 is because we also believe in partnerships and not every year does a producer have the exact same product. They're not right. making, you know, coffee mugs. They're, they're, this is an agricultural product. And we've seen situations where this producer was growing an 83.5, 84 point coffee. Well, this year it's cupping at 82. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in abandoning my producer. So we give ourselves that threshold. So to me, point score is important. Um, in my opinion, most consumers don't really notice the difference above an 83 point, 84 point. And I'm talking about everyday consumers, not coffee geeks. Um, mm. So I really don't even know what it means anymore. I really don't because I think it's been um, taken over by people who think it means 87 points plus and, you know, all kinds of crazy processes. And, but frankly, I think it's, it's, uh, it's self-serving in a way, but it's also misguided because I think, you're not going to get uh, a major consumer support behind something so exclusive. Especially with the economic situation evolving the way that it's evolving, cost of living crisis, people's uh, you know interest rates going up and all of that going to become a problem. I think specialty coffee is going to be more challenged than it's ever been. And at, you know, coffee at that level is an affordable luxury right now. And that's even stretching the definition. As we get deeper and deeper into this financial situation, as it evolves, you know, in third and fourth quarter of this year, 2023, I think that that business model is going to get rather challenged and people are just going to go to drinking, you know, the mid-range kinds of coffees. The interesting part about it, I had a a conversation with a, a client the other day and she said to me, listen, we have really expensive geshes. The problem is everybody wants to drink them dark roasted. Is it okay if I roast them dark? I'm like, you can do whatever the fuck you want. It's your coffee. Well, do what the consumer wants. If that's what, what they want. what they're going to buy. I mean, this is not about you. And I think that's, I, I want to make two points of this. Number Go. one, specialty coffee has never been challenged because how long has it existed and what have been the economic conditions under which it's existed? It mm. didn't really rise into the mainstream, at least, um, media wise till maybe 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and frankly the last 10 years have been the easiest years economically that i've seen Mm -hmm. um with cheap money free money a lot of you know 
superfluous money from other industries flying into food, uh, food, consumer packaged goods, and specifically coffee markets. I mean, it's just, it's been the perfect storm of easiness. Uh, you don't need much more than an Instagram account to have a coffee company, you know, roasting in your mom's basement and, you know, mm -hmm. telling all kinds of false stories. So I think the reality is starting to come to fruition. I think um, I'm seeing it happen with a lot of traders. A lot of traders are going to fold and a lot of them are not even real traders. So it's kind of okay. You know, they're traders who say they're traders, but they're really buying from the people that people would rather not buy from. So I think it's time for everybody to prepare and, and understand the reality and, and learn about the industry. You know, we talk about trade finance. Some people think they're not subject to it. Some people think they're not subject to the C market. Some people were all subject to it, whether we are selling 90 point coffee or 70 point coffee. These are the realities of the trade. And I just think that that education is very important for those that want to survive. And, um, and it's tough, you know, I have to be honest, look, you know, we're talking about scaling, especially the coffee business, scaling any business is hard. Mm -hmm. um, I always tell people, I think it's probably taken at least three years off my life <laughs> in the long run. <laughs> it's stressful. It's stressful. <laughs> I've been technically bankrupt four or five times. Yeah. I've had a bank sit in front of me and threaten to take my home. Mm -hmm. I've had embezzlements. I've had somebody steal money through, from me through my payroll and actually get me in trouble with the IRS. Mm -hmm. I've had it all. And if you don't have that beacon of why you want to do things and where you want to get to, you're done. It because will crush it takes you. a certain level of grit and acceptance of, and I tell my son this all the time, anything worthwhile is hard. And the more worthwhile it is, the harder it'll be. And to me, it's worthwhile to try to make a positive impact in the countries that I love and that created me and, and built who I was before I came to the U.S., and I'm willing to kind of go out there and fight for it. And, but it's not easy. And, you know, people think that everybody wants to be CEO today, you know, and I sit down with young people and I say, well, what does success look like? Oh, I want to lead a team of 50 people. I'm like, when you get older and you realize what success really means, you want to lead a team of two people mm -hmm. and you want those two people to lead a team of four people. And they, mm -hmm. they, you know, you realize, you know, and I have the privilege of being 50 years old and having hindsight and having been through it, but, you need to get through that kind of there's a chasm between the crazy intense operator and then the 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 visionary strategic individual that should always live within you but at some point it needs to break free mm. it needs to lead the way into into growth but from day one if you don't have a business model if you don't know finance i tell people all the time i don't care if you're in the coffee business or the car tire business if you don't know finance go learn Go learn accounting, go learn finance, learn what a cash flow model is. Profit and loss statement, balance sheet, like mm -hmm. just the basic financial reports, understand how to read them, pay a bookkeeper to sit there and help you understand how accounts work. Like just the basic fundamentals. I am constantly mind boggled by the number of people that I work with, consulting clients or people that come to me and I want to open a cafe. Okay, let's start with what do you know about business? Nothing. I just want to escape my corporate job. I just want to live an easy life. I'm like, then don't do this. Yeah, it's a hard this, life. <laughs> this, is, this is not where you – there's easier ways to make no money. Yeah. There's yeah. easier ways. What's the hardest part about scaling? Um, I think for me it's uh, having that balance of – for me personally, it's it's 
what I'm trying to achieve and making sure I continue to achieve it at all scales, right? So mm-hmm. um, I'm very people-focused. You know, I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing for my producers and their communities, my team. Um, I think the biggest thing for me that's a challenge is as the leader of my company and having always the best interest of those parties, helping people and bringing people on board that understand that my intensity and my drive for you know success and execution and just it comes very intensely but that's how i show that i care about you that's love that's that's so if i'm pushing you if i'm and i i tell people all the time i said look as your leader in this business as the person who's built this thing you don't need to like me you don't need to be my friend all i need is for you to trust me and be willing to take the risk of following me into whatever Mm -hmm. i take us to and so you have to know that I'm doing it because I want you to be here for the next 20 years. Mm. So I think getting people to understand that and be on board with it, because listen, one of the things that I've seen the last 10 years is this kind of premise that business is fun and easy. And it's once you open a business, all of a sudden you have a private jet and you're collabing with everybody and everybody's friends. And I'm sorry, but maybe it's I'm old facade. school. Business is cutthroat. <laughs> Your competitors want to see you go out of business. Uh, it's ugly. It's ugly because Mm. there's money involved. And when there's money involved, people get ugly. And so for me, we live in this bubble of Mayorga and we are all the best that we can be. And we push each other hard. And that's been a very hard thing to get to. Mm -hmm. But I think, like I mentioned before, I've brought the right people that report to me and only two people report to me in my business, but we have, you know, 60, 70 people at a time. And getting that uh, understanding and also putting your money where your mouth is, right? We're a company mm-hmm. that our minimum wage starts at $18 an hour. We pay, you know, health. Our benefits are, like I tell my HR person, Mayurga has to be a place where you never want to leave because you're treated so well. Love so, it. But that that's the back end of, well, you're going to work your ass off. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be in the trenches and you're going to be in battle because that's what business really is. Mm-hmm. And all the facades of, you know, collabing and fun. Yeah, there's fun moments, but it's not an easy world. And I think getting that um, understanding from people and frankly, I don't recruit people from the coffee industry. If you come to me from the coffee industry, it's going to be very unlikely that we hire you. Uh, and I personally interview everybody that, that we bring in. And to me, it's all about recruiting based on our company purpose. Which and is if you don't basically to eliminate systemic poverty in Latin America, which is a pretty Love tall it. order. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But if you don't feel that, if that doesn't make you emotional, you're not going to have the guts it takes to go out and actually try to achieve that. Mm-hmm. And everybody that works with us has that. And everybody with with me has developed a thick enough skin where I tell them, look, I don't have the luxury of, you know, being the soft kind of, you know, I care about you because I'm going to help you have better opportunity, provide for your family. But we're in, we're in the trenches. And when the mm-hmm. trenches is something that matters to us. So because mm-hmm. it matters to us, we're all in it together. Um, and we all care about, you know, the inequities in Latin America, the inequities in the United States, the mm. inequities in our industry. You know, Eduardo, who is our, 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 you know, I don't even know titles. They don't matter to me. But Eduardo runs our coffee program and he runs all of our, um, what we call the, the regional coffee business. He started competing in roasting competitions solely because we saw no minorities or Latinos representing in in any of the coffee competitions. You know, he came in fourth place last, last year. And, and it's all about really just, carving a path and leading the way. And Eduardo even made the comment to me, he said, you know, I didn't see any Latinos or people of color mm-hmm. in the first competition. The second I saw three or four, 
and we all kind of congregated. The next one I saw eight or 10 and now it's very balanced. Mm. So I think that leadership to me is more important than the leadership of let's make money and, you know, let's build a business. When I see Eduardo going out there and putting himself personally in the eye of the industry, which is very judgmental and saying, I'm going to show people that Latinos can actually be better at this than you think and you've given us credit for. And I'm doing enough for me, but for the people watching and for other Latinos that have been intimidated by this. So anyway, I ranted, but that's to me. is uh, That was not that a rant. Integrity. That was fantastic because it's true. Uh, you know, 20 years in specialty coffee, I saw at the beginning of my career, you know, the businesses that were being started in Chicago and in California that were hiring publicists for their competitors and stylists for their competitors in the barista competitions. They were the people who were defining what specialty coffee was. Right. And then it became an elitist endeavor. And now you, you're starting to see a lot more representation across the board. Um, I'm moving, I'm, you know, doing a lot of work in the Middle East at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a long term thing. A lot of these people are not allowed to get visas to go to the World Barista competitions. And so they're immediately disqualified. Not technically, but they're immediately left out of being a part of these competitions purely because of, you know, political reasons that they can't get visas for these things. How the fuck does that work? You know, and this is part of systemic issues. And I I use the word systemic a lot because I think there's a lot of things built into society that have become a function of systems that have been put in place. Mm -hmm. And there's byproducts of those systems that then create you know, Mm -hmm. social or or racial uh, inequities. I mean, even think about the language barrier. Why are Mm. some of these competitions only in English? Mm. Who are you catering to? Who are you excluding? And I think that's something that maybe you don't see until you've been on the receiving end of that. You know, I Mm -hmm. think I've told the story countless times where my company aim was originally Cafe Mayorga because I was very proud as a Latino to be bringing coffee from my countries. And I felt like I, it showed my expertise as a Latino that's entrenched in these countries, grew up in these mm. countries. And literally I had grocers say, well, well I don't, we, 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 we wouldn't put you with specialty because you're not specialty. And literally the assumption that I wasn't specialty was just based on the name because it was Hispanic. And I remember one time I went into a, a grocery chain we got into. I couldn't find our coffee in the coffee aisle. And then I got a call from an employee and it was by the tortillas and the rice and beans, uh, which what? was in the his- Hispanic section. And so this premise that people have of, because it's a Hispanic name, and, and really, I, I feel like that's still the case for us, right? Mm-hmm. We're not a fun kind of cool brand that is looking for the, you know, designing things like an Apple store and the simplicity and futuristic. We're very authentic and maybe a little traditional. Um but yeah, I think that's that's the systemic thing is very important for me. And I think it's yeah. most people have blinders to it. And there's so much systemic inequity that somebody needs to kind of put a light on. And then somebody needs to do something about it. That's yep. the biggest thing to have is doing something about it. It's so critical. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, the part that the other part of this that something someone needs to do something about is this backstory behind scalability which we didn't touch on which has to do with financing and the financials and we're going to talk about that in the next episode because that's a whole other whole other layer to this story that uh, we're not really paying that much attention to in the conversational part in the specialty coffee industry it's the conversations are happening behind closed doors 
but we're not having a public conversation about what's broken about finance and um, a lot of the way financing is done in the coffee supply chain. So let's folks tune in for the next episode. We will do our best to keep it um, as approachable as possible. So join us for that. Peace, love and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast, as well as more information on Mapper Forward, head to mapperforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.